Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence Podcast, nominated for three Mannies. How's everybody doing? Alex, take a Manny point. Oh, thanks. Four Mannies. I was going to give you one, too, but Joe beat me to it. I'm going to give you I'll a Manny five. point. Five! Another one. The system's rigged. I love it. <laughs> it's like the printing Manny points. <laughs> it's just perpetual <laughs> feedback. If we're not careful, we're going to devalue the Manny point. That'll you never happen. Yeah, that's not I mean, <laughs> impossible. We're handing out more Manny points than we have hero points. Laws of Manny-nomics will not allow. Manny points are like gold. Doesn't matter how much you keep mining out of the ground. It's still worth something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I promise you guys can't mine enough Manny points to run out. <laughs> okay. So, here we are in Yolispan. It's been pretty chill so far. How's uh, How's everybody feeling uh we are two two days or we're we just we spent our first night at uh marina's house and uh woke up the next day and she's gonna start her experiments oh yeah hmm. do her uh do her scientific investigating uh into your o-balls yeah i forgot about that i was the first one to hop on the table <laughs> Uh, but we're going one at a time, so... Yeah, no, uh, instead, actually, Arginus uh, immediately hops up and is like, Oh, wait! I'm gonna be late. Huh? For my job. Bye! Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? Arginus, where are you going? Oh, I'll be back later. You can uh, study me later. <laughs> yeah, that laugh is... Absolutely perfect for a man who jumped on a table, says, I'm ready, I'll go first. And like, My job! That no one else knows about. Yeah. Uhtred, like, opens his mouth to question more and then just kind of shuts it and realizes it's Arginus. Marina uh, watches Arginus leave. I apologize for Arginus. Um, Such an industrious boy. That's one word you could use. Well, uh... It would appear that the it would appear that the operation table is now vacant. Operation Do we have... table? Well, you gonna we cut will... me open? It is a broad term, Utrid. There's no need to worry. I will not be performing any operations, but it is most convenient for me for you to lay down where I can better access any given part of your body. Alright. Utrid will walk over and Take our genus's now vacant position. Tealith will pull out his uh, his little notebook and and pen and just he's ready to, to take notes on what's what's about to go down. Oh my god! Okay, so our genus uh, he runs out of Marina's house into the streets of Yoli's Pond, um, past the seven thousand eight hundred and forty civilians therein, mm. and uh, we don't see him for a while because he's off working i guess all right utrid uh well i i said i would not be cutting you open and that is true but i there's always a but i will not tell you that this will feel pleasant pain i can handle oh good boy and she uh she begins casting a spell uh do i know what it is you can roll spellcraft Ooh, i don't i don't just know it for being so high level you're not that high level, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna say well, no that, to this. That's one. what I'm. That's what I was inferring too. That maybe this is like a spell that is such a high level. Uchir doesn't know it. 
Uh, that's a well, 42 was... spellcraft. <laughs> oh, I'm still going to roll, though, because... Yeah. 31. Teoblith and Uhtred, you do uh, identify the spell. It's not so high that you wouldn't have, by the numbers, been able to identify it, but this is a uh, unusual spell that uh, you don't really have much context for. Do spells have, uh, like, accents, like languages? So, like, when they cast Fireball over here, it's, like, blue instead of orange? To that point, I mean... There's nothing saying that your fireballs need to be orange. You can make your fireballs any color you want. But yeah, there's um, there's definitely a, you know, it's it's the same language of you know identifying spells. But there's definitely a like a a, a cultural like cultural yellow tape to it. This spell is not really one that is prevalent in the inner sea. Um, it seems to be a unique spell, uh, perhaps just one known by some of the arcane botanists in Yoli's Pond, or maybe even one uh, that Marina created herself, uh, you're not sure, but it seems to be a transmutation spell that combines elements of spells like Analyze Dweomer, which is a super strong and efficient detect magic and plant growth, a spell that uh, allows you to encourage the growth of plants uh, and kind of manipulate them and coax them this way or that. And uh, she takes out uh, a, a small pouch from within her robes and uh, she kind of like, like with a flourish, like sprinkles this dust up into the air. And you're not totally sure what the dust is. It's it looks like it's comprised of like stone or something, but you really don't recognize it. It's not like uh, it's not like iron filings or anything like that that you might know from other spell components. Um, and then she has uh, she holds out both her hands, and these bark-like growths extend from her fingertips. She places her hands down onto Uhtred's chest, and the bark-like growths. Uh, burrow into his chest and Uhtred you feel a level of discomfort equal to a much needed deep tissue massage okay a pain that hurts but also kind of feels good uh I I kind of picture like a a much needed deep tissue massage does not feel good in the moment uh, uh okay so like I think for me, it would be more like when I get a deep tissue massage and they're putting more pressure than I actually want. Yeah, like it, it feel, it's very tender and okay. that it's like you got like a tender, like a knot in your neck and they're just and they're like, just going to town on it. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's kind of what it feels like in your chest. And she's not looking at you. She's just kind of like... Like, her eyes are tilted upwards, kind of like... Like, she's, like, giving a seance or something. But you think maybe instead she's just kind of, like... She's not relying on sight. She's relying on some, like, some other orgasm? sense. She's definitely not having an orgasm. Better not be. Uh, it's like she's relying on some sense that, you know, is 
you know, specific to this spell. So her eyes aren't really doing anything right now. They're just kind of like looking up at like in concentration while she's focusing on something that you can't really see. And a few minutes pass in silence as she just kind of does her thing. And Uhtred kind of tries not to squirm. And after a few minutes, she she speaks. Yes, yes, I, I can see these. I can see this kumaru trace it is it is very small it it seems to be in your heart but also but also not of this material plane it is existing in a sort of limbo and she goes back to concentrating ah this is fascinating i can see the the connections Linking your Kumaru trace to to the others in the room. They are like strands through space. Little divots in the air. And yes, I can see I can see the the connection to our genius's trace. Yes, I see him running past all seven thousand eight hundred forty people. You Out son of a bitch. <clears throat> and and there are more more connections they extend beyond my sight hmm. perhaps these these connections these links are what remain of of some special properties once possessed by Arrod and shield God, quite possibly the means by which Tarbafon is able to isolate a single shard of his choice for remote detonation. It is possible that these connections lead all the way back to the inner sea, back to the other shards, to other others like you who also bear these Kumaru traces, either in the boneyard or elsewhere, or even to Tarbafon himself. If I am correct, you are part of an unseen web that connects Aradin's shield, Tarbafan, yourselves, and possibly other such survivors of this radiant fire. And this web is made of echoes of the Kumaru itself. It's been about ten minutes, and Marina's uh, bark-like growths in her fingertips, they recede up out of Uhtred's chest and uh, seems like her spell has ended. And as this was going on, um, Uhtred, Teoblith, Thalias, and even Arginus, wherever he is at this point, you can feel your like your energy draining. Like, Marina was just kind of poking around, like, taking a look, but it's almost like doing so is kind of agitating your O-balls or your your spirits or something. And uh, by the time she's done, you are all fatigued. What? I imagine Teoblith doesn't even realize for a second. Like, he, he's just furiously... Yeah, what like, is this feeling? He's just furiously writing down like <laughs> everything that she's saying and like some speculations of his own on what's going on. And like by the end of it, he's breathing hard, but you know... That's just the excitement of good research. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <Yep>, nerd. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
You ever you ever document something so hard you just start sweating? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so yeah, it's been about ten minutes. Marina has you know not made any brown breaking groundbreaking discoveries, uh, but by the time she's done, you are all pretty pretty beat. Um, and was that just I her will... examining Uhtred? Like she hasn't even examined the other two of us that are present. Yeah, like you all, you all feel this. Uh, like, like she said, it seems like you're all connected in some very uh, subtle, if powerful, way. And so her rummaging around in Utrid uh, seemed to kind of have a shared effect on all of you. She turns to you all, and she kind of realizes for the first time that uh, you're all like breathing heavy, like sweating. She says, "Oh." Dear me, uh, did you all sleep well last night, or was is this a side effect of my of my rummaging? It could be a bit of both. Uh, I don't know about the rest of these. Well, I don't really sleep that much, so it's it, it's probably from what you're doing. But this is this is fascinating stuff. Yes, yes, it is quite fascinating. Tragically, I that is all that I can do today but uh, it would seem that that might be for the best looking at you all now I encourage you to go about your day uh, enjoy enjoy the city relax don't do anything too strenuous and tomorrow I can have a look at somebody else and perhaps we can learn something that could change everything oh that is the dream yeah the dream Elias kind of gets the feeling that uh, this lady's crazy. I mean, he doesn't that, really that understand that. Yeah, she's doing all this crazy mystical stuff. We've been ha- well, we've been having these obols in us for like a, a long time now. The and fact she's... that she even could see them was like in, for Uhtred confirmation. Whatever she says, like we haven't <laughs> even more... found people that can see them. Right, and right. she's like, I think I know what that might be. I'm like. <laughs> That's just good enough for lot, me, baby. Lot to digest. The Kumari that she keeps talking about. That's the tree? Yeah. And what's up with the tree? The tree was basically created when a chunk of the meteor that destroyed the continent of Aslant fell. Like a shard of that rock fell in the inner sea and like created what is now called the inner sea. Another shard of it fell here and created the, and basically sparked that tree to grow. And similar to the shard in the inner sea, when when people interact with it, they gain deific powers in some variation. So in addition to being a gigantic meteor that shaped the, the landscape in the inner sea, it's, you could call it a god rock. Okay. Touch it and you become God. A smaller version of that landed here and either became or infused itself into a tree. And the rock doesn't exist anymore, but the tree does. And the tree kind of did that same job for a little bit, long time ago. But after it kind of stopped doing that, its root system spread out underneath this entire nation of uh, Zopatl. And the, that root system 
kind of functioned like a combination of like power lines and like radio towers and Wi-Fi all in one and just gave the people of Zopata like incredible technological advances yes. and like just creature comforts that no one else in the world uh, knew, at least with the convenience that they had them. But then a hundred years ago, that stopped. Basically, Aridin's death set off like a massive EMP over here. Yes. Okay. So, she was talking about a bunch of stuff just now, and what about the shield of Arneson? The relation of the O... How does the O-ball mm-hmm. factor? So, the... That's what's the, in us. The theory is that when Aridin came to Yoli's Pond to study the Kumaru, yep. um, and incidentally met Arasni while doing so, he, at some point or another did something to the Kumaru that, like, kind of linked himself to it, um, which resulted in when he died, the Kumaru died. But also mixed in with that at some point, he created his shield out of wood from the Kumaru. Um, And then that shield, like... And then he, like, he ascended, he, like, was... He, like, became a god, and then, as a god, like, ascended further and, like, was no longer walking among Galarian. But his shield remained, and the general of the Shining Crusade, Arnesent, wielded it when they went and fought Tarbafan. Tarbafan casted some wicked powerful spell on Arnesent, but one of the shield's big powerful abilities was any spell cast on the wielder that would kill it instead rebounds to the caster. Um, so Tarbafon casts some big bad spell on Arneson, and the shield did its job, but Tarbafon's magic was a little too much for it, and the shield exploded uh, instead of Arneson. And the redirective properties still kind of sent all the shards of the shield at Tarbafon, and one of those shards embedded itself in his hand. And Pretty then Tarbafon... Yeah, and then Tarbafon retreated into Gallaspire, and then the Shining Crusade sealed all of Gallaspire so he couldn't get out. And then I they hope brought... he knows this part of it. Yeah. Who, Tarbafon? No, Joe. Oh. I know all the parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, for, this is for somebody else who doesn't know. And then somebody at one point collected all of those remaining parts of the shield, brought them to Vigil, and it became the Shattered Shield of Arneson, which wasn't a functional shield it was just a relic gotcha. and at one point during his imprisonment Tarbafon, who had tried literally everything to get out of Gallaspire, realized that the thing that got him there could be the thing to get him out and he found some way to use those shields as like remote nukes because one is embedded in his hand and he can like connect to the shards remotely they're so good okay. it's a wild it's a wild uh ride <laughs> yeah to get from the beginning of that to the end of that. And we're only about halfway through this ride. <laughs> so let's, I mean, unless anyone has any more uh, thing in character to say, I kind of want to see how our genus is doing. Let's check in on our genus. <laughs> yeah, our genus, uh, our genus is like hustling over there. And then like, you know, he he's about there and suddenly feels like, super tired and like 
grabs his heart and he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> what? <laughs> uh but needless to say, of course he makes a wild uh spectacular entrance with uh doing like card tricks and stuff like that. Alright, so uh did I give a name for this guy? Arginus? <laughs> the guy that <laughs> hired him. I don't remember. I don't think so. Alright. I think you kinda just said that a man walks up to me and asks if I want a job. I remember he was an orc. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what my entrance is going to be? I know exactly how my entrance is going to be. Uh, I'm going to turn into, like, a gaseous uh, or um, my ectoplasmic form. And, like, I'm going to just drop from the sky and just making, like, a little squishy sound. And then I just pop up into human flesh. Okay. It's funny because we haven't actually ever seen our genus in, like... A city setting, like like I mean, he showed up when at towards the very individual, but like, like shit a- after already. vigil already exploded, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he's a pretty eccentric guy. I did not think <laughs> normal city life would make him even more eccentric. <laughs> I feel like that's more a function of just remembering who's playing our genus. Yeah. <laughs> um. To- <laughs> <laughs> On that, uh, too, <laughs> this was all Alex's fault. He offered me a job, and I was like, yeah, of course our genus is going to take that. How could I not? Yeah. This is an opportunity then, of a lifetime. Yeah, and then I you, mean, went, you went and assumed that clock-in was, like, first thing in the morning for some reason. I don't, also, <laughs> I don't think you told Tom, me what time to show up. The, the taking of the job is probably the absolute least eccentric thing you did. I was referring more to the entrance of turning into ectoplasm and then back to your flesh. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, Taking a job's pretty non-eccentric. Yeah. I mean, he was hired to perform, so... I mean, I, I yeah. think under these circumstances, taking a Maybe. job becomes eccentric. <laughs> well, all right, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, given the context of everything going on, like... yeah, it, That's a like real, if... uh, let me get a second full-time analyst job. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's trying to save the weight of the inner sea, and he's like, "You know what? I need a nine to five on top of it." <laughs> it'd be like if, it'd be like if Captain America was like, "Yo, hold on, I got a barista job that I gotta go clock in for." <laughs> it's like, dude, what? No, we need to go fight Thanos right now. Like, no, 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 no. If I they miss the shift, fire, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah. <laughs> Flashes to him in a Starbucks getup, misspelling somebody's name on the cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't lose another job, guys. I have an apartment to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, our genus uh, appears uh, in this uh, in this tavern. I don't think we ever named it. Arcane Arge- marks. It has to be a color it's and an arcane animal. Arcane marks. Our genus uh, appears in uh, in this Marco Arcano. Uh, <laughs> He plops to the ground and then kind of like pops back up, like arms up in the air. Ta-da! And uh, there's not a lot of people there um, because it's still pretty early in the morning. But you do see uh, the orc that had hired you yesterday. And he he stands up and he he gives you a enthusiastic uh, clapping. And 
Can you remind me, Tom, what languages Arginus knows? Because we kind of made some assumptions yeah. last time. No one casted a sure spell on me today? Oh, no. Nobody uh, casted a spell on you yesterday. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ushud's our translator now. But more importantly, (laughs) nobody casts a spell on him today. Draconic, Celestial, Common, Dwarven, Ignin, Necral, Undercommon, Orin, and Proteans. That's Ignin. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to say you guys are communicating with Dwarven. Okay. And he, he approaches you, he says, I wasn't expecting to see you so early. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're being so punctual. I, uh, I would have missed this for the for the world, uh, especially the world. <laughs> well, good, good. He kind of leads you out of Marco Arcano. Uh oh. I love how Tom or Arjuna said he wouldn't miss this for the world. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. he's putting this above the world. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you guys find, like, as soon as like. There's like important stuff to do. Tom's gonna have to re-roll his character because our genus is now fully committed <laughs> yeah. to this job. Inner C, how can I Sorry. go to Inner C? I have four shows next week, three on the week after that. <laughs> and an adoring crowd. <laughs> the show must go them. on. Do this six days a week and twice on Sundays, goddammit. I, I just imagine, just imagine <laughs> RG just like goes down this list and he's like spiraling and oh my god, don't even like mention the Harrow card like uh, signing and then suddenly <laughs> I just get slapped signing. in the face <laughs> by Uhtred. Snap out of it! <laughs> you wake up on the operation table. <laughs> it was a dream the entire time. Oh, I thought I was important. <laughs> I thought I thought I had an important job of doing Harrow readings. Now I'm just stuck saving the world. Anybody could do that. So this org leads our genus out of the Marco Arcano, and uh, you learn that his name is Vorsente, and he brings you uh, a little deeper into the city where there's kind of like there's almost like a flow of traffic, like in the direction that you guys are going, and. Uh, Orsente explains, uh, you have arrived at, uh, an exciting time in Yolispan. We are beginning our week-long celebration of Clash of Saints. You, you know of the ancient saints, yes? Uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps, but, uh, why don't you explain it for people who don't know? <laughs> <laughs> he looks around. Nobody else invests in this conversation. Uh, oh, uh, very well. The the ancient saints who, who founded Zopatl, uh, important. They are important figures of Yolispan. They overcame oppression to rise as heroes. Zopatl broke off from ancient Razatlan, became the first independent nation to do so. Okay. And okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading my reading my notes. So is that so is, is that like a big deal or something? <laughs> yeah. But what does this have to do with me? <laughs> now the, the the saints they they Im- improve themselves and their their magics and their minds, but oh, the most the most thrilling thing that they did was create new innovative combat techniques 
the saints sparred with each other, with other powerful figures all around Galarian. As one does. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And the, the saints, they are gone today, but they are remembered in our Clash of Saints celebration. And we recount these great battles. People come from all over Zopatl to, to witness and take part in these recreations of the saints who would spar each other, or some recreations are of them uh, overcoming tremendous oppressions. And uh, some, some are completely made up, but, you know, it's an exciting story, and that's what, that's what we really love here in, in Yolispan. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the excitement really uh, gets me going here. Yeah, so some of the recreations, they're complete nonsense. They never happened and never would have, but that's not important. What's important is that they're, they're thrilling, thrilling matches to watch. And by the time Vorsante is uh, finished explaining this to you, uh, you are standing outside of a large uh, stadium, it looks like. Uh, map. <laughs> what did I sign it's, up uh, for? Is this something we can participate guy? in? Uh, perhaps. So you, you look up, like, um, uh, Vorsente's got, like, he's, like, had his arm around you and he's been leading you, uh, farther into the city and then he, like, he stops and he looks up and then you look up and, uh, you see this, this big stadium. He says, welcome to Quattro Stadium. And he, he doesn't lead you inside. Uh, instead he kind of sets up a, sets up a stand where, like, a big flow of traffic is going past him into the stadium and he says you will have time to to see some of the the clashes later but if you wish to help me then this is where we will we will be setting up shop your job will be to attract as many customers as you can with your fancy uh sleight of hand card magic oh oh, 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 sleight of hand (laughs) of course it's not sleight of hand well I don't much care how you do it as long as you get more customers in front of Orsente so he can sell his wares to the, the numerous people going into the stadium. Uh, that's fine with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, just uh, just a quick question. Uh, do I get a percentage here? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Arginus. If you can make a noticeable improvement from my usual sales, then I will repay you with a, a very nice gift. A gift, you say? <laughs> uh, very well, you have uh, my services. <laughs> Although I would have done Fantastic. it for free. <laughs> uh, a shrewd businessman, Arginus, but nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, with that, Arginus begins, uh, you know, just doing doing his thing, offering his nine uh, to five. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nose to the grindstone, and uh, actually, I think that's a good spot to start a little flashback. Hmm. Hmm. As the scene begins, we can see and hear the casual bustle of a street filled with horse-mounted soldiers navigating past an over-encumbered set of oxen going the other direction. Local military mixing with local farm-to-market folk. The calling of soldiers clambers around the grumpy groaning of oxen, and the beast's rancher corrals them with shouts and gestures. 
For all the chaos, it seems business as usual, as the soldiers leave the rancher with casual banter and a friendly wave. The dust cloud kicked up from the traffic slowly disperses as the two parties gain distance from each other. As they do, we follow the soldiers down the dirt road, passing several houses and a smithy. The metal-on-metal clanging from the smithy fades as a group of children run past, laughing and screaming in their make-believe adventures. Finally, as we pass the last house before arriving at a market square, we leave the soldiers behind, holding on the house's open window, through which we can hear a familiar voice. Hmm. No. I'm sorry. That... that can't be right. Let me try again. As we drift up and through the open window, another voice can be heard. Please, take all the time you need. We're now inside, and we see a modest parlor. Though the ambient sunlight pouring through the window gives us enough light to see, the room is further illuminated with a row of candles along the far wall. Sitting at a small table is a young man in his early to mid-twenties with bright blonde hair. Though sitting, he seems a fairly tall man with a subtle radiance that betrays a heavenly spark. Though he lacks the restless mania and crude third eye that we know, we nonetheless recognize this Asimar as a young Arginus. He shuffles a deck of harrow cards, looking across the table nervously at a woman who appears even taller than him, with pale skin shaded a light cold blue. She sits opposite Arginus, staring at the fumbling card reader with a look of poorly concealed hunger. Arginus begins flipping new cards over. From our vantage point, we can't see what cards they are, but we can see the look of bewilderment on Arginus's face. He stares at the tabletop, almost appearing angry in his confusion. It's the same spread! Three times in a row, I drew the same spread. The woman's smile widens. You seem unhappy with this reading. I, uh, I just usually don't mess up like this. You laid out the same reading. The exact same reading. Three times in a row. This is not a mistake. Tis destiny. Arginus's eyes widen. He looks at the cards again, anger slowly succumbing to curiosity. If these cards are proper, then... He looks up at the tall woman, meeting her hungry gaze, his curiosity succumbing to caution. Who are you? The woman leans in even closer, and the ambient light from outside seems to darken, leaving us with only the dim light from the candles. I came here to offer you a job. You've long outgrown the role of local fortune teller. I can put your talents to work in ways that will expand your mind beyond your wildest dreams. Arginus naively straightens up importantly. <laughs> the cards did hint that I may be leaving home soon. Perhaps it was you they were referring to. The woman leans in even closer. Your powers of divination are exactly what I need. No one else will do. Well, uh, what exactly do you need me to do? The woman leans back in her chair, casually inspecting her long, pointed fingernails. Your first job is to help me locate a colleague of mine. He's quite slippery. He wants to be found, but he's lost in more ways than one. Argina smiles. That sounds simple enough. What's his name? And sorry, but you never gave me yours. 
either. Her eyes dart from her fingers back toward Genus. My name is Leanthari. My colleague is a man named Gildeus. And we're back in this busy, uh, vendor-crowded street with our Genus doling out Harrow readings and other such performances with his Harrow cards. Dude, is our Genus a goddamn double agent on us here? <laughs> <laughs> Always has been. <laughs> and you thought you were the only evil party member. <laughs> so, our Genus, I want you to give me a perform check. Are we ready? Are you ready? Oh, yeah. My body's ready. <laughs> you oh. not ready. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh. Uh, hero point to reroll. Oh, man. The okay. ball's on this guy. He's in a hero point for this yeah, I had 18. Check. Yeah, like, that was... Ah, <laughs> oh, no, please. But, wait, does a natural one even matter? You still rolled a 19. Yeah, I was like, a natural one doesn't affect a skill check. Like, it's not an automatic failure. It just failure. makes you look stupid yeah. for us, but, you know. Uh, I'm still going to reroll. I don't like that. <laughs> he can't stay and see the red. Another one. Let's go. All right. Uh, I'll take almost. a 25. 25. Okay. So, maybe our genus's head is is elsewhere uh, for parts of this of this performance. See, perhaps well, he's dwells fatigued. on. He is fatigued. He is, he is also fatigued, yeah. And he that, has no what is idea that a minus why. Two? <laughs> no, it's minus two is strength and dex, so it does not oh. affect your perform checks. Um, yeah, he has no idea why he's so tired, and uh, yeah, perhaps memories of his uh, former life just kind of coming and going, distracting him. Yeah, yeah. This really uh, was like, 20... a, yeah, this is really like getting back pre. Yeah, this is the first time that he's doing it uh, since that point. It's been a very long time. Yeah. yeah. But 25 is still a solid uh, perform, and uh, this guy seems uh, pretty happy. You you definitely uh, have drawn some extra customers for him. Uh, it's You're not like some golden goose about it or anything, but yeah, by... Doesn't sound like he's getting the second booking. <laughs> by the end of uh by the end of his uh this guy's sales day uh he will have definitely gotten uh, a little bit more in sales than than normal but uh in the meantime what is everybody else doing because that's going quite far into the future beyond where we left yeah the rest of the pcs I would like to make use of the library slash archives that she said was available here. And I think she even said she had, like, um, access to some of Verazny's, like, direct writings about her work with the Kumar. Also, as I'm doing this, like, like the primary focus would probably be centered around Erasny and Erasny Kumar events, but... I would be keeping my eye out for anything related to possibly Tarbafan or Aridin. Yeah, uh, that's fine. So, Marina can uh, bring you to uh, Kimane's university. And uh, what are Teoblith and Thalias doing? I wouldn't be uh, secretive of or coy about this either. So, if that was something that Teoblith was like, I could get on board with. But not Elias. 
Well, I guess Thelias yeah. could too. It doesn't quite ring as a Thelias activity as much as it does a Teoblith activity. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, I think Teoblith is actually gonna. No, I I want to have him like wander the the city for this this festival, but he would definitely be more interested in archive research than the current goings on. So yeah, I think he he's on board for for heading up the library with Utrid. Okay, and Thelias. I don't know. I'm gonna do something else. That doesn't sound fun to me. All right, but full time job would sound pretty fun to you. <laughs> yeah, it's only if it's a boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're just like, you're just gonna like. I just fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You need a. Uh, would you have like a pamper day when you guys were in vigil? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll get into. Me and uh, me and my boy Randolph will go uh, have, have ourselves an ice cream day. Pampering Randolph's well, body and your spirit. <laughs> yeah. You don't care about the extra calories because it's not your body. <laughs> I'm like a pregnant woman, you know, <laughs> like walking around with this thing inside me. But I'm like, eating for two. It's not. It's not born yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, but it just wants what it wants. <laughs> you are destroying my body. <laughs> well, it's like I'll have a snow cone, and I'll have a snow cone. <laughs> Uh, okay, so depending on uh, Thelias's trajectory, uh, he he may just uh, accidentally witness uh, Arginus doing his job from like across the plaza or something. That would be horrible. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, let's go to Kimene's university. Marina just kind of she she brings you there and shows you to the library and like make sure that you're comfortable and then she's she's like well i hope you find everything that you're looking for but i am going to go uh witness the clash of saints the who's of what now oh down at quartal stadium uh it's the in the week leading up to the blossom parade we have the clash of saints where we recount the great battles had by the the saints of old whether they are historically correct or just for fun uh, everyone in Yoli's Pond loves to watch this, these uh, recreations they're quite flashy if you get bored of these dusty books then you are in you are welcome to come find me down at the stadium oh is this just some kind of weird show or is there you know some kind of stakes involved oh well People in Yoli's Pond love love a good show. There's there are always those willing to throw a trinket or two to a performer who outperforms. But I I don't really know the, the specifics of that. You will would have to go uh, talk to uh, an organizer down at the stadium. But everyone is welcome to participate who who wishes to. Uh, but then she turns and. Begins to leave. Alright. Well, yeah, once she walks away, Teoboth would kind of turn to Uhtred and say, like, uh, what do you say? We could always, these books aren't going anywhere. We could go show these yokels what, uh, 
what the inner sea has to offer for a good fight. To be honest, I'm feeling a little drained with that from that session with Morena. All the same, I think I'll just gonna see what I can find here. Yeah, you're probably right. I will say, um, so Uhtred is fatigued like normal and will lose that condition after doing like a full night's rest. Um, for any, for everybody else who is not, uh, directly worked on today, uh, your fatigue will go away after an hour of rest. Okay. That's nice. And you're having a pamper day, so. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah, so maybe like 45 minutes of rest. <laughs> <laughs> Call it 30, why not? <laughs> Basically never fatigued. <laughs> All right. Well, no, let's uh let's try and tackle this library today and said so this is like a whole week-long thing leading up to the parade, so we could always check it out later. Yeah. Okay. Um so Uhtred and Teoblith, uh Teoblith, is there anything specific you're looking for? Or are you just kind of like joining Uhtred in his uh, pursuit of information on Erasne and Aridan. Um Yeah, that would mostly be my focus. Uh, maybe a bit more focused on the Kumaru tree itself. Okay, you guys can give me knowledge history checks and uh, get a plus two bonus on it. Oh, buddy. I was going to use a hero point, but uh, <laughs> no need for that, really. So that is a net 20 for a grand total of a 46. Holy shit. I mean, that's what I was going to roll, but it's <laughs> bad. Yep, and of course. Richard had a 33. That's pretty good. In terms of information on the Kumaru, um, it's... There's actually not a whole lot of information present in this library. You do remember hearing... It was mentioned before, but you read that uh, the Kumaru tree is located inside of a stepped pyramid, which is named Tumbaha Mountain. The stepped pyramid was built by the saints uh, when they discovered uh, this tree growing in the middle of this forest. The The forest by the accounting of the saints uh, was like brand new. Like they, they saw this rock fall from the sky and it landed somewhere in the far distance and they were like, let's go check that out. By the time they got here, there's this big forest uh, that nobody remembered being there. It strikes you as not dissimilar from like the after effects of the radiant fire, actually. We have seen um, massive vegetation growth, growth and manipulation every time one of those things explodes. Yeah, but by all their accounts that, their accountings that you're reading about, these are all like, they're not like twi like twisted monstrosities, like... Uh, well, yeah, like, we have the tainted version of the Kumar. Yeah. Um, the, the forest that appeared is just lush and great and happy and at the center is this uh, was this tree that they could tell was special but was still quite small uh, and they they studied it and through their studying uh, got you know, special powers. It essentially became like a mythic battery to just be around. They eventually built this pyramid to house it 
Um, you know that the the pyramid of Tumbaha Mountain uh, is not just a normal pyramid. You know that the pyramid is primarily built of mythically reinforced stone with veins of empowered jazette and gold, which gives it this like like almost electrified look. It's got these like like bright orange lines that kind of like snake and spiderweb their way up the pyramid. The stone is nearly impossible to destroy. Uh, in game mechanics, I'll tell you, it has hardness 30, 500 hit points, and this is like to destroy a single 5-foot square area of like a wall. Hardness 30, 500 hit points, a break DC of 60, and only mythic creatures or attacks, or attacks that count as mythic, for the purpose of DR, can even do damage to it. So the hardness 30, hit points 500, that only applies if you're mythic. Otherwise, it is literally uh, indestructible. The Gisette veins branch out endlessly throughout the stone, creating an effect similar to a wall of force all around the structure. Uh, and the veins, uh, as I already said, they glow a bright crimson. They illuminate the exterior and interior of Tumbaha Mountain with dim red light at all times. But yeah, so this this pyramid was built. is like this big, is as big to do. It wasn't just like a you know, let's let's put this thing in the pyramid. It was like a whole like we need to build something worthy of housing this tree. And that was Tumbaha Mountain. This was millennia ago. It's like seven or eight thousand years ago. Um, and over time the pyramid has sunk somewhat into the soft forest floor. It is by no means like underground or anything like that, but uh in addition to this, the tree has never stopped growing, and uh, there is a, an upper, like an upper layer of the pyramid that used to be, it all, it, like the whole interior essentially is like a big open space, and so the upper area used to be used for, like, people would like go up there and they would speak to everybody collected down at the bottom around the base of the tree. But the tree eventually grew so big that it just kind of grew up into that area. And so, yeah, you don't you don't find much information about the tree itself because you know that to even, like, be able to study the tree, like, you can't even go inside Tumba uh, Tumbaha Mountain without, like, the express permission of the botanists therein. So, like, a lot of information about it, even after it being essentially inert for a century the they they're still you know pretty cl uh, close chested with their uh, with uh, any information about that. Uh, Utrid, you find a fair amount of information on Arasni. Uh, she was born in uh, Guyaraldi, the capital of Zopatl. Um, and she became a smart, accomplished botanist and uh, scientist and actually made a lot of improvements of the water quality in a lot of nearby aquifers. That was like one of her first big uh, accomplishments that got her name out there. After doing that, she uh, traveled to Yoli's Pond and to kind of, you know, what's, my, what's going to be my next big project? 
and she decided to study the veins of creation, the the root system of the Kumaru tree. Um, and during her essentially a quest to be allowed access to Tumbaha Mountain, met and befriended Aridan, who was in the process of doing the exact same thing. It's a long and pretty strenuous process of gaining the trust and credentials needed to uh, enter Tumbaha Mountain, but the two of them eventually did. They studied the veins of creation, uh, but they had to do so uh, at first, like, under supervision. They didn't get, like, direct access to it, but they were at least allowed inside the pyramid. Um, then after doing a fair amount of research, they they left Yoli's Pond, and they just kind of traveled across uh, Zopatl, and uh, they applied the research that they learned in the uh, into Baja Mountain uh, to like a bunch of remote communities and they kind of became like a like a traveling duo of adventurers and they they very quickly became like local legends like just people talking about Arasni and Aridin from town to town across Zopatl and like the the good that they're doing the the miracles that they're performing and like Aridin wasn't a god at this point but uh, from reading about their accomplishments, you could assume that Aridin, at least, was probably already mythic, and Arasni was probably just a very accomplished spellcaster in her own right. So, yeah, they just kind of, like, went around and were just complete rock stars in Zopatl for a while, uh, until they finally returned to uh, Yoli's Pond um, to kind of, like, report on all the improvements that they made with the research that they did uh, in the Veins of Creation. And... Like, they arrived back at Yoli's Pond at the same time that this uh, Razatlani warlord, Imiktal, came to Yoli's Pond with, like, an entire army who's like, I'm taking the veins of creation for my country. And Aridin and Arasni led the counter-assault and just kind of, like, kicked his ass and his entire army back to Razatlan. And thereafter, Yoli's mom was like, all right, you know what? You guys are so fucking awesome. You, like, here, like, you get full, unfettered access to Tumbaha Mountain. Yeah, Arasni, uh, Arasni stayed there studying uh, the veins of creation with Aridin for a while, but eventually they just kind of split off. Arasni was satisfied with the knowledge she had gained, probably by now also ascending to uh, mythic power and just kind of went off and continued to do good around Zopatl. Aridin elected to remain in Tumbaha Mountain. And then eventually Arasni was slain by this terrible beast known as Tlokak, which is, from its descriptions, you think is like some giant serpent. Um, you know that Arasni also... Uh, uh, she also slew Tolokok. It was kind of like a stalemate. Uh, like, she won. She won, but then Tolokok's uh, venom uh, did her in before she could fully recover. It's like a Gandalf and the um, Balrog situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she did that while she was uh, she was helping to... She was kind of going to, like, Western Zopatl, which was still, like, very, very wild and untamed, and she was kind of, like acting as this forward frontier adventurer, kind of clearing the way for 
new settlers. And uh, yeah, the, the year was negative 1491, which would be like 5,000 years ago that this happened, that she that she died in the uh, the annals of Yoli's Pond, and that's kind of where her story ends. Nobody in Yoli's Pond knew, or at least it's not recorded in the history books, that she didn't actually die, or died and was revived or resurrected. Right, she, yeah. she like, I mean, you I, seem to, like, died like and maybe ascended to being Aroden's herald or something. Yeah, because uh, if he had already ascended at this point, maybe he was like, "I don't want you dead, and I'm a god now." So, yeah. Well, let me see what your holy shit. Do you think ascended. he, she died, and he was like just another petty asshole with too much power, and was like, "No, fuck you! Like, I'm gonna force you to be my herald now." And then she dies <laughs> again, and Geb's like, "Nah, you'll be my fucking queen now." <laughs> She is a woman who has not been allowed to rest for <laughs> thousands of years. And like you were several saying, millennia. Aaron is kind of like an asshole that's just like, I, I want something or I'm going to do this. Like, fuck everyone else. Yeah. That is a possibility. You don't really know enough about Aridin. Like, from what you've heard, he definitely sounds like a dick and someone who's not really, uh, like, he's capable of doing good. But he seems like he's ultimately doing good for his own yeah, like, purposes. If good is a result of it, like, happy accident. But also, if bad's a result of it, don't care. Yeah. From what you've read, uh, Aronin, Aridin and Erasne seem like they were, like, just fast friends by the time they mm-hmm. uh, parted ways. Just um, quote-unquote friends. <laughs> they could have been more. It's not recorded as such. But that could very well be for uh, the prejudices of the writers of history in Zopatl. But yeah, that is uh, that is another humongous chunk of Arasni's history that you are are now privy to. There's there's still more, like between this year of her death and when she was, you know, killed in the shower to go kill Tarbafan yeah. by. Roslar and the Shining Crusade. That that's still yeah. a good like four thousand years of Arasni's yeah. life that were like we know she was Aridin's herald during that time, but we don't know like exactly what she was up to. We can just kind of guess, kind of based on what Aridin was also up to at the time. I'm on the Aridin wiki page. Yeah, and it's listing yeah, all these. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's listing like all these years and events and stuff, and there's a whole thing on Absalom and Ascension, but it's not listing the year that he ascended. Hmm. Is it just year one? Was that it? Mm. Is that the whole point? I don't think so. Dude, that's the ultimate flex. Like something right. he did is <laughs> like, year one. Right, <laughs> we're starting. <laughs> we start counting time now because <laughs> of me, baby. Time. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, and that goes to show you just how popular of a god he was, at least in the inner sea. Uh, if that's a, like, because that's the calendar that we're using and to to kind mm-hmm. of contextualize any of this. Uh, Zopatl probably uses its own calendar or Arc- Arcadia as a as a whole that doesn't uh, revolve around Aridin. But okay, yeah. So 
the so the dates are mark the years since the founding of the last great empire, which is that of Aradin. Okay, but I don't know what what years accredited to his empire of formally being founded. Yeah. Okay. And it, if it's, that means he's ascended, it takes its beginning from the date of the founding of Absalom, which occurred on one Abidias one Ar, according okay. to the calendar each day in Galerians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's literally, it's just the day that Absalom was founded. That's where, like, the calendar, that's, like, the BCAD and line the, in Galarian. And Absalom was founded when he lifted the Star Stone up, right? Um, I th- Is that how thinks? it works? It's like a sword in the stone thing? Like, just lift it, and you're the chosen one? <laughs> well, the, I mean, the whole thing is touch it. Oh, you don't even have uh, to lift it. He was just a fucking showboater. Yeah. This guy seems so fucking snobby and arrogant. I don't like him. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, Absalom founded in one AR by Aridin when he raised the star stone from the depths of the inner sea. So okay. that's, that's the, the demarcation. He didn't just like pick it up. He legitimately transported it. Fuck this dude. He raised yeah. it out of the sea, creating an island. Yeah. What a cock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm i sure he is arrogant and a dick, but at the same time, I feel like he's got, he, I feel like he can back it up. Oh, can he? Because <laughs> I'm like, pretty sure he didn't be, back it being up. Being powerful doesn't make you any less of a dick. Sure, but I think he was powerful enough to, like, just be allowed to be a dick. Yeah. It's like now, Gandhi was a can, huge asshole. Can you kind of... But... <laughs> so th- that this... dude was so powerful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, this Zapotl records of Arasni, is that something that's completely not mentioned all in the inner sea records of her? Or is it like, well, you know, it's more... It has like a starting point, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, there was this time when she was over in Zapata, or Zapata." Like, um, give me another knowledge history check. Uh, Just trying to see if like they match up nicely, or mm-hmm. uh, twenty-four. So yeah, you you're not aware of any of this history being part of. Uh, inner sea lore it could be and maybe you're just ignorant of it Uh, you know perhaps one day if you have the opportunity you can go to some big library in the inner sea and perhaps you know cross reference what you've learned today but to your knowledge right now you're not aware of this it's kind of like Zopatl has all the pieces to this puzzle the inner sea has all the pieces to the other puzzle then there's some more stuff in the middle that you don't really know but yeah it's like these two completely separate isolated stories of Arasni are existing at the same time uh all the pieces are held by different people but yeah that's that represents uh a you know a full day's worth of of research uh with Tiablith and Uhtred at the library um, our genus, uh, has put in a, a full day's work of performing his harrow readings and Thalias is not put in a full day out somewhere work. eating for two. 
<laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, I think that seems like a good place to leave things off. Yeah. Until next week on the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. No cliffhangers, Too easy. Baby. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.